0: Welcome to Material, a show about the Google and Android universe, hosted on the Relay FM network. And this show is brought to you by Squarespace and SF DroidCon. I'm your host, Russell Ivanovich. This might sound different. Normally, there's a Yasmin in this spot, but uh, you'll find out later in in the show she's here. We haven't killed her off, and we haven't uh, got rid of her or anything like that. You'll hear from her shortly. But hello, you two. Hey Russell, we, de- we definitely didn't kill
1: her off. It was one of you out there that might have had interactions with either her personally or her children uh, that passed along the out of control contagion that has first claimed her voice, uh, and uh, with the will of God will be uh, ended there. But one of you, one of you has a, a sore throat hanging over <laughs> your conscience.
2: And I so so what I think would happen is that you know Brianna Wu, who's the host of Isometric and uh, Rocket uh, on Relay FM. She said that for our bonus episode for the membership, that Rocket Rocket and Material Podcast should get together, have some beers, and then have an iOS versus Android battle. And I'm thinking they realize, you know what? We can't win this battle with Yasmin on Android. She's just going to go on the full defense. So they sabotaged me. They got rid of my voice. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think all the evidence is in. Uh, We can have a you know trial by the people here. Uh, I think they're definitely guilty. Uh, Rocket FM, uh, Rocket, sorry, Rocket (laughs) FM. Are they? just Rocket. Whatever you've done, it's it's dirty play, and you didn't need to go there. You just didn't. I mean, you would have lost anyway, but you could have had an honourable battle. You know, you could have fought, you know, valiantly, and then lost anyway. But it's it's sad to see it go down (laughs) like this.
1: I I was just hoping it wasn't. uh, they, They weren't talking about a rap battle because my, my, my beats are righteous, my, my rhyme is strong, but that's pretty much that those four words are about as, about as deep as I get into that sort of thing.
0: I'm, I'm kind of uh, spent. I've I got to tell you, I walked, I walked into the lounge room the other day and my wife is just killing herself laughing and she's got a pair of headphones on. I'm like, what is she listening to? And it was you guys singing Rebecca Black <laughs> at the end of the last show. We, we got a lot of feedback about that. Apparently people loved it. So, you know, the musical might be coming down the track. We'll have to see.
2: We'll make sure to get Andy to rap in it.
0: Yes. I, I, I still I still remember the
1: back back when I used to watch M T V when the, uh P. Diddy had his little like reality show of assembling the band that he was just aghast that the, the young rappers that he'd assembled did not know Rapper's Delight. And I because, because we, he and I seem to be contemporaries, I all I could think was I can I can do the first like the first two minutes of Rapper's Delight. How can you not? And I'm not even into like hip hop. How do I know how do I, a white guy from suburban Boston, know this song when people who want to work in that industry don't know a hip-hop, hippie, 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 hip-hop. You don't stop rocking to the band, because to the boogie to the beat. Now, what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat, and me, the groove, and the best. Well, I'll try to move your feet. Now I am Wonder Mike, my name, and I like to say hello to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple and yellow because it got a hip bang bang, a bang, boogie to the boogie say, up to the boogie to the bang, bang boogie say rock. You don't stop to the room that makes your now, so far, I've heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my friend Russell. Come on, Russell, sing this song.
0: I did not know this song. I'm so sorry, oh, Russell. I've let you
1: uh, us down. all of our listeners down. <laughs> so that's that. So uh, if if we're if we're giving like information to our enemy, like like Sun Tzu says, you're supposed to deny your enemy uh, any information. I'm only good with pre written, pre recorded uh, rap stylings. <laughs> so perhaps we can move to something that uh, that uh, I'm very, very good at. I'll get back to you since I think of what that could be. Brown is Brown is very good. I, I, I don't want. To, I think that I think we should all be just you know friends. I think I think that we should fight to see who can uh, be the better
0: friend uh, to each other. I see your tactic here, Andy. It's uh, it's probably going to work as well. I think they'd fall for that. Good good one. Good one. So some huge, massive, massive news. Yeah, Yasmin's making the uh, universal symbol of live long and prosper. Um, I'm trying to be a unicorn. There's a taco in my hand. New emoji are here for Nexus phones. So this is one of the first times I've ever seen um, someone on Google, you know, jump on Twitter. Um, The head of Android did and he's like, hey, new emoji coming soon. And we're like, really? That's quite unusual for Google to to be out in front of something like that. But they heard the demands of the people. And I believe this week uh, the update has actually started shipping to people. So I don't, in typical Google one-week rollout fashion, I don't have it on my phone just yet, but... I'm told that it's, yeah, it's a wonderful world out there. Do, we, do either of you have it? Yeah,
2: I got it last week and I was really happy to share Live Long and Prosper to all my friends. Um, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I'm just happy that I don't have to copy a Twitter link into Slack so I could see the emoji. <laughs> you just see these like black boxes and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying and telling me. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> And secret encoded messages just keep coming in. He yes, has mean like, what are these square boxes mean?
1: <laughs> yeah if I, I i would be very i, I i'm i will i want to be like that person who decides that the straw boater and the bow tie hand knotted is not going out of style i'm not i am going to i am ascii emoticon till death i just there's the, the, the thing i don't the, the thing i don't like the the only thing I, I absolutely hate about the ipad pro or like the ios 9 keyboard is that it has like a button for emoticons that uh, that for emoji that is like right where I expect like the the uh, the uh, the, uh, the alternative keyboard to be like for for I need to get the like a, a pound sign or something like that and so it's like have you ever had like a feature on like Android or anywhere where it's I never ever ever use this feature why is it possible why is it not possible for me to simply rip this key out of the keyboard so that it can
0: never befuddle me ever again.
1: I just don't like emoji. I just don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but I can tell you there are a lot of our listeners and other people out there that that love them so emoji. In fact, I've seen people upgrade to, you know, new operating systems just to get new emoji. So I had a whole <laughs> bunch of family members that were holding out on iOS nine. They're like, I have seven, I'm not updating. Like I, I updated to this and I had enough hassles. I'm not ever updating my phone ever again. And then I showed them, like, hey, you can get, like, a unicorn. And they're like, oh, "What's the update button? I'll press. I don't care. I'll delete all my photos. I'll delete all my stuff. I don't care what it takes. I'm updating to this operating system. It
1: just, it just annoys me. They, they, but definitely, I, every time it, when I'm in a chat client, I have to, like, make sure like, I'll be, like, listing some steps for someone to follow. And it'll be like, how do I – I have to stop because – one of the things I'm, I want to type is, well, then a number uh, – letter B or number eight and then a closed parenthesis, like the end, closing a parenthesis. Like stop changing that into cool guy with sunglasses chat <laughs> software. I really do mean the letter B with a closed parenthesis. And then there, and then there's the, the I, I I respect you if you if you like I'm these I'm not attacking you I'm just this is a, this is a, a self-confessional but my own relationship with emoji like I I am the old school guy that uh, I'll be uh, I'll be on a message forum or I'll be on Facebook or something and it's like okay someone is telling you that. Like their, their brother was just diagnosed with cancer and it doesn't look good. Do you really want a cartoon frowny face as part of your response? Like I, I, I would, if, if, if I had received that reply to, again, a really bad piece of news that I decided to share with my close circle and friends, I did like, yeah, I, w- I wasn't expecting you to send a bouquet or come over with a, with a covered hot dish, but why don't you just like type out three words as opposed to me? Mm, i a cartoon frowny face.
2: Andy, if an image is worth a thousand words, an emoji is worth a thousand more. There we go.
1: Yeah,
0: and just think if Yasmin could somehow speak emoji. If I could speak emoji, then you would know. (laughs) Losing her voice wouldn't even matter. She'd just be able to emoji with us on this episode. Sad face with single tear. Don't know what to say, so I'll say it with a cartoon glove
1: pointing downward. (laughs) (laughs)
2: One of the other things they did is they actually updated the look of the emojis So one of the things between iOS and Android is that the emojis look different. Um, It's funny because you have this, like, dancing lady on iOS, and then on Android, it's just this kind of, like, Android blob that's not really as romantic as maybe as the dancing lady. And so it's, uh, I remember seeing one of the articles where it was making fun of all the different emojis, and it's like, you can send an emoji to one of your friends on iOS, and if you send that emoji to a person on Android, it means a completely different thing because it looks so different. Um, yeah. So they updated the style and I think it looks a little bit more in line with iOS. But I think Android it does emojis a lot better and that's just uh, my opinion. I think they, they have uh, more emotion to them.
0: <laughs> they do. Occasionally you get some miscommunication though. I've had the one, there's one on Android that looks like a, a, like a face grinning. And then on iOS, uh, the translation is a face wincing. And I I looked up the description for it and it's meant to be a grin. I'm like, oh, I'm getting some miscommunication here. You know, I say something and then put a grin on the end. And people are like, why why is he wincing? What's going on? Like, is he trying to be sarcastic?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean it's 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 just mis misapplied communication there's a also um not every new uh, new advance in emoji affects everyone equally like i do I certainly do think that's a good idea that you can instead of having generic like white guy face, you can have you know a skin tone that reflects like what the skin tone you like to choose but for for months and months and months, I didn't know why I, I, in my Twitter client. Uh, I didn't know why people were uh, saying, "Wow, I really thumbs up. I really like saltines." Because I'd see like a like a square <laughs> that's the color of a saltine, and then a thumbs up. Like, well, I love saltines!" And uh, later on, later on, I was playing. Well, no, that's like a code that actually will, if, if it's rendered properly, it says it says to the rendering en- engine, "Here is the color that I want this hand to be." And I thought, okay. But now I really... Actually, I do, really do want saltines. I haven't had them in in the house for a while. Maybe some hummus as
0: well.
2: Maybe keep the saltines away from me, though.
0: <laughs> no saltines for Yasmin. I've got, I got to tell you, as a developer, though, it's, it's quite annoying because as we get more and more emoji, the amount of space that you need to um, just store a single character um, gets more and more. So the other day, we had to update our Pocket Cast database um, just to support all these new emoji characters, and it meant we had to double the space that everything takes. I'm like... Your people and your emoji, you know. I, I come down on on both sides of it. I'm like, ah, no, no more characters. Like four bytes or eight bytes or whatever we're up to per character is enough. So, the other thing we did this week is we um we asked for some listener questions. So we from the material um, Twitter feed, which you should follow if if you don't already. Um, we got people to send in their questions, and a common theme emerged from quite a lot of them. I'll, I'll read one of the um them to you here from Steve. So it says. How can you trust Android with all the security holes if you're a non-Nexus owner where you are left it out in the cold? And someone else called Ron said, uh, Material Podcast, why do you... Sorry, why do people still feel Android has security issues? It's not Android. It's the carriers not pushing the updates. Your question mark. And one last one here. Why can Apple update all the devices on day one, but Android devices... Sorry, Android carriers and phones and OEMs cannot even get five for all. I see he means Android 5. Um, so there's, there seems to be a lot of people asking, hey, you know, on, on some devices like my iOS device, I get all my updates day one, they come straight from Apple, um, there doesn't seem to be any sort of stage rollout or carries involved and then people are saying, you know, is Android as secure because, you know, on that one, updates are a lot more, you know, sporadic and different things like that and I think there's a lot of nuance nuance here that people don't really know that I thought it might be interesting to just quickly go through. So... You know, the, you have the Nexus device which comes from Google and has Google software on it and that one is the one that doesn't go through carrier approval, it doesn't sort of go through anything else. It's when Google decides to push an update, like for example this emoji update as part of the operating system, then you get that. And then sometimes Google do this thing where the rollout happens over the, the space of a week. So they'll roll it out to, you know, 1% of their customers and make sure nothing goes wrong Then the next day they might do 10% and then 20, you know, eventually to, to get up to 100. And that's that's the fastest you sort of see um, Android roll out and then when it comes to something like a Samsung, um, you know, Samsung will take a version of Android that's open source, they'll modify it with all their drivers and all the different apps they have on there, they'll do their own testing of that and then that'll go through various things like it'll go to a carrier where the carrier will also do testing on it and, you know, approve it for use on their network and that that process can sometimes take several months and I guess... What that looks like from the outside is you're like, oh, if I have a Samsung phone, then you know if there's a critical security patch, I might not get it for three months. But you find that both Google and um, Samsung to a large part are working around those things. So Samsung, if you've ever had a Samsung phone, rolls out their own um, security patches and that's completely outside the, the whole carrier sort of Android testing side of things. They can just roll out security patches um, all on their own. And you'll find that Google actually does the same thing through their Nexus program. So you'll see if you go into... Um, the settings for a Nexus phone, you'll see that I think it says something like security patch level or something and it'll say like 1st of November or 1st of December. So Google do these monthly security updates. Um, Samsung also do security updates and this is all outside the framework of having to go through carriers and everything else. So it's not it's not like every single Android device out there will get updates on day one, but I think when it comes to security, both Google and Samsung have a very sort of good track record there. Like you'll find when there was that, there was some zero-day exploit um, you know it was widely publicized about android a few months ago and the nexus devices and a lot of the samsung devices you know they got that fix for that reasonably quickly like it was it was weeks it wasn't months which is it's a pretty good turnaround even on the ios side of things you know you find sometimes there'll be a, a massive security hole that comes out and that, that still takes a big company you know a few weeks to deal with and i think that's that's something a lot of people don't realize they look at the version of android and they're like ah. Oh, you know i have android 5.11 therefore i'm missing all the the security stuff that goes into 6 but it's not always the case you know it might be the case if you have unfortunately an older device that you know your manufacturer isn't supporting anymore and that happens a lot on android and that's that's still an issue i'm not saying it's a you know it's a it's a perfect system but a lot of the manufacturers especially the bigger ones have kind of figured out a way to to get you the security stuff so i'd say in most cases if you have a device you know that's built in the last year a uh, few years sorry that comes from a reputable um, manufacturer and then you've probably got all the security stuff on there as well and you've probably seen that come up you know i know I, I used to run an s6 and you get you know these little dialogues like hey you know time to update and it's normally security patches it's not actual you know android rollouts. yeah and and
1: also uh, uh you can get uh, a, a lot of the newer phones can get partial updates to the play store um uh, i'm not really that uh, uh, there, there's there's such a thing as relative risk and then there's absolute risk. I do think that the relative safety risk of using Android is greater than using an iOS device, but I still think that the absolute risk is still really, really low. Uh, anytime you hear about a, uh, an important exploit that's been uncovered for Android – And then you read, wow, that's terrible. I want to read some more about this. And the same couple of phrases always kind of turn up, and here's how this person uh, got, got their device exploited. It's almost always, that I installed software outside of the Google Play Store, and it was some sort of mechanism for either getting free apps or getting free porn uh it's it's not a there's not a really great risk to somebody who's uh, a, your typical at least american android user who's used getting stuff exclusively through the google play store uh getting hit by these sort of things uh and also uh, also uh google has been ad- has identified this as a real pain point and a, and, a, and a threat to people and that's why now if you've got a, a phone that's capable of running 6.0 you can get security updates that are scheduled monthly and also they don't you have to wait three or four months to get them you're basically getting the security part of that uh, update package directly from google just like a nexus will get the entire thing uh, directly from google
2: right i think a lot of uh, manufacturers have already said that they're gonna do security patch updates and that they're dedicated to doing that um and so i think that's a great move at least for the android ecosystem but yeah if you want like the latest and greatest obviously nexus is going to be the way to go
0: yeah, yeah, definitely net, the Google side of things has the best track record and that's the fastest way to to getting your updates as well because there's less there's less steps between you and your update. Now I, I don't think there's any dancing around the fact that uh App, Apple's done a much better job there. And whatever they did, you know, in the early days to strong arm carriers into allowing them just to push their update, you know, worldwide across all ca- all carriers, you know, simultaneously. I mean, good on them. Like, you know, I like to bash Apple as much as the next person, but I think that was a really positive thing for the mobile phone industry and hopefully Google can get, you know, closer and closer. The the other one thing they have is that they're able to to roll some updates of the operating system through something called Google Play Services. And you'll sometimes see that come up in your update list if you're running an Android. Um you'll see, you know, Google Play Services needs an update or Google Play Services, you know, was updated while you slept and, and your phone was plugged in. And a lot of the the core stuff we deal with as developers is now you know in there as well which is you know that that's a cool thing as well
1: yeah the larger problem for for, for android users is that um i've got uh, iPhones that are like 2 3 even 4 years old that are still they don't necessarily run every uh, they don't necessarily run every single feature that the latest version of uh, iOS has, but they can still be updated with most of those features. What, what, however many features that the hardware can actually support, uh, and yet just this morning I was talking to a friend who has a Samsung Galaxy S3, who that had been pretty much abandoned by AT and T. Uh, he's not getting any updates. It's not getting any uh, any fixes or anything like that. And asking, gee, what is is it, can I get an upgrade for this? And I had to say, well. Uh, you're gonna have to go to. Uh, I, had to say, I had to introduce him to the concept of Cyanogen. Uh, that you've, that we, where you basically switch it from being an AT and T phone to being a Cyanogen phone. It, it's a, it's a, it's a involved process that might take you a couple hours to replace the firmware uh, that AT and T shipped it with with Cyanogen firmware, and then you're getting updates from this project of independent folks that take the builds from google and compile them into compatible versions for samsung for acer for eight uh, for uh, htc all these older phones but it's it's a shame that uh, you have to go that route because there are a lot of people uh, the phone that they bought two or three years ago is still working fine for them it's addressing all of their needs Uh, and it's a shame that the only reason why uh, they're uh, they felt the need to get on a new contract or buy a new phone was that there was a G- there was a problem with uh, uh with uh, their phone losing gps that was just a known bug that just never got patched for them uh and so now they've got a half functional phone that's still physically able to go for another year or two speaking of updates there's a, something uh, uh Google's uh, released a whole bunch of updates to a bunch of Google services. Um, one is really cool, or or really creepy, depending again depending on your attitude towards Google. Uh, if you're if you're using Gmail for your inbox. Uh, it's always had the ability, uh, partially through Google now, to assemble all of your trip details. Reusing, uh, if your if your receipts get sent to your Gmail address, it's aware that okay, this person has a hotel reservation through Travelocity. It has a she she has a plane reservation through Expedia, and that's how if you've got an Android phone, particularly you have all of your trip details on one page gathered automatically now you can also just share that collated information with other people who are uh, who you're traveling with or who are going to be meeting you uh, at the at the gate or whatever uh, and it's just it's just another way that Google can do things that are really really logical and what seem to be really easy if they've got a wide view perspective on all of your data and it basically turns pretty much everything that Google does into one unified app as it tries to figure out how can what 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 knowledge can we glean from your life and how can we use that to make you less scared uh, and more more of a more of a happy Google user?
0: Yeah, and I've I've definitely used the, the I was going to call it single player versus multiplayer. I don't know what the analogy is here, but the the version where you're going on a trip and it collates everything that you're doing inside, um, you know, this one convenient card. It's like here's here's your flight, here's your hotel, um, here's some other things you need to know when you want to go and I've always had trouble sharing that with other members of my family like if I'm going to go visit my sister who lives in another state I'm like how do I send her this I, I guess I send her the pdf of the flight thing and the, the other thing and the other thing and it's it's quite inconvenient and when I saw this come up I'm like ah, oh, that is a really good idea just to be able to say here's this convenient information that I enjoy but now you know you fellow family member or whoever you know you happen to be visiting now you can enjoy it too I mean it it seems so logical but yeah it's it's so amazing that you can find yeah do
2: that. i don't know why sharing uh, trip itineraries is such a difficult thing but i'm glad google has found a solution for that because there's many times where i've driven and my friend has to pick me up from the airport and i'm like oh uh, now i got to go find that airline uh, email and like copy and paste or whatever to send it to her um, but I can quickly now share that via Inbox. I love the neat features that Inbox is doing. Um, just it, it makes your email experience so much better because it turns things into actionable items, which is mostly what email is used for nowadays. You know, It, it quickly has your calendar event, so you can see that, um, and it does it in such a nice visual way that you can quickly gl- glance at it.
1: Yeah, it's a, they, they made this announcement through uh, a, a post on the official Gmail, bo- Gmail blog. It seems they, they haven't mentioned it as uh, a feature of the desktop app as far as I can see. It does seem to be a feature uh, of Inbox. And the, they do mention that these are features you, that you're going to have to roll out with uh, updates, I think, through the Google Play Store. But there seems to be no reason why they can't actually m- integrate that into the desktop experience. Uh, maybe they're doing uh maybe they're maybe they're uh focusing on uh on the inbox app because it's a it's, it's a place where it can have kind of the most impact um for instance uh, they also talk about how uh, they, they, they've got the move to me- menu uh, that's inside the app, so that once it's collated all your information, you don't want to suddenly be inside the a concrete bunker inside the airport, and now suddenly you can't get access to all of this wonderful collated information. So you don't know the phone number of the hotel, and you don't know like what your reservation number is when you get stuck and you have to rebook. Uh, so making making a point about how easy it is to take this entire thing, not as individual emails, but a whole, as a whole bundle and save it directly on. On your device, uh, like I said, it's it's. Uh, I, I don't. I still don't want to use Gmail as my one of my primary email addresses, but it's one of the reasons why I use it for receipts and stuff like that because it can uh, push interesting services there. Um, another interesting twist. I didn't see this coming. Uh, I finally got the uh, uh, Google Now app for uh, my Android Wear watch. Got pushed uh, to the update uh, to my watch. Um, I didn't see that coming because I always thought that Google Wear, uh, Android Wear, was kind of like the entire thing is like having Google now on your wrist. So it's hard; it's hard for me to really yeah. get used to it.
0: I'm really confused by this as well. So I got the same update to—I think we I actually have the same watch, Andy—to um, my Moto 360, and. On the one hand, I, I do like that it's now, you know, thirty-four minutes to work, here are five other cards that you might want. But I'm the same way. Like my Android Wear Watch always felt like Google Now to me. Like the cards always felt relevant to, you know, upcoming meetings and various things. I'm not sure how I feel about it being segmented off. I'm also not sure we had some listener questions about this a few weeks ago. I'm also not sure how I feel about the fact that Google Now, when you swipe right, right or left, depending on how you think about it, on your phone is now kind of grouped in there as well. You've got these you know, stories you might want to read and other things. It's a lot more organised and, I don't know, it feels weird because sometimes I'll have on my watch, I'll have two notifications that are for very similar things. So I'll have one from Google now that says, hey, 34 minutes to work and then I'll have a different card that says you know, something very similar and I'll be like... Aren't these the same thing? I don't I don't understand. Yeah,
2: although I think the functionality within the actual Google Now Android Wear app provides a lot more features to it. And that's one thing that was missing where before, it was just a card that was visible, and now you could actually kind of interact with the card and get more information. Uh, for instance, the weather card on Google Now always drove me nuts on the on the Android Wear Watch because it would just be like, hi, this is the weather, and I'm like, that's fantastic. Google, you know, it's, I live in Arizona, and that just means it's really, really hot out. Um, but, but now <laughs> that scorpions. it's, uh, <laughs> and there's scorpions, but now that it's actually within like the Google now app and a segment within it, I can click on it and it would actually kind of brings back more, um, contextual information. So it's actually a much better experience. So I'm going to disagree with both of you on, on this one, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it it is kind of confusing because. You do have a point where people really saw the Android Wear watch as a Google Now cards notification kind of system and I think this is a move to make more apps that are a little bit more um informative and can do a little bit more things than just kind of having a notification on your wrist. Um I'm 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 actually a fan of it. I really like it.
1: You know, I I, I agree a hundred percent. It's it just it just seemed like an odd thing, like it's re- repeating uh, s- repeating something that I already have elsewhere. Uh, I do like the cleanliness of the, the way that the Android Wear notifications work because I don't want to really use an app on my wrist. I want a cue as to something that's, something's going on with a sophisticated app that I've got on my phone, and I'm either empowered to avoid it or just uh, or deep dive into it. It's nice to see. What a really more interactive uh, app would look like. I I was uh, as uh, I was setting up my uh, my Moto 360 Generation Two a few weeks ago, and setting up this brand new phone, which is you know the same thing by by default. uh, It really did remind me that there really aren't a whole lot of what you'd call apps that I really like, that I really rely on on the 360, it's still the ability of an app that lives on the phone to communicate with me through the wrist and not something that I really want to launch on my wrist instead. So hopefully apps like this are going to sort of correct that and find those places where I actually would prefer to just stand there, uh, you know, talking to my wrist uh, Dick Tracy style uh, then actually take my phone out.
2: What, one of the apps that I think is actually doing a really good job with this is the Hangouts app, um, because you can actually see the threaded conversation for different contacts, and then you can reply either by emoji or voice or you know other preset uh, messages. So that's probably one of the only apps. I'm trying to think what other apps that I think are like. Hey, I could fully use this on my phone or on my wrist without having to get my phone out. There's not a there's not a whole lot. But uh, Hangouts, I think, is doing a good job with that. And also, uh, I, I, I like the Maps app. That one's good. The Google Maps on the Android Wear Watch. Just getting the full screen uh, where it tells you, you know, the you can get turn-by-turn turn navigation, um, but it also shows your map. You can swipe through it to see, hey, is there a different route that's going to be less crowded? Um, those are two of the apps that I think are, like, really, really thought out on the Android Wear.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree about Hangouts. I'm not as convinced by maps, and I think the only reason that is is because I tend to – it's Australia. It's a massive country. You have to drive pretty much everywhere because we don't have proper public transport. And I find it annoying. Like I'll I'll have my my car mount with my phone, and my phone will be giving me directions, and my watch will also (laughs) be like, hey, this is where you need to go. I'm like, I'm I'm driving, Google. I don't need this. So
2: the only um, one thing that I have found useful is since I have like my phone connected into my – when I do Android auto, like I have a really short cord so that I can't actually pick up my phone and interact with it, which you shouldn't do when you're driving, and I don't do that, but it's usually when you're like at a stoplight or something. well, the watch allows you to kind of see those notifications and maybe those turn by turns. but yeah, if you have Google Maps running on your Android where <laughs> um yeah it's good it's one of the things like I mentioned before is that the Android auto app doesn't actually show your notifications on there, which is good they don't want to distract you. Um, but you can get those notifications on your Android Wear watch.
0: Yeah, so it's it's clear at this point that we need to take a break because we're going to have to pay for Yasmin's hospital bill uh, (laughs) after this show. So uh, this episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Um, You can start building your website today at squarespace.com. You just need to enter the offer code material. I really hope you know how to spell that by now and get 10% off at checkout. So Squarespace, uh, build it beautiful. So when you think about it, um, whenever you're looking to give yourself a place online you know there's a lot of different ways you can go there's a lot of different websites that um, offer you sort of services for getting online but I think Squarespace is one of the easiest and the reason is that they do all the hosting they do the scaling they have you know 24 7 24 7 support and they also have all these templates that you can use so you can design you know a really nice professional lo- looking site really quickly you know you just drag and drop the things you um, you want you configure it the, the way you need and you're like, ah, oh, there you go, now, now I have a website. So some of the other features that Squarespace have is they've got a commerce platform. Um, if you want to sell stuff on on your site, they've got things like cover pages where you can build, you know, just if you're one of those people that says, you know, I just want a landing page that people want to go to, just a single page, you know, they've got that there as well. And you can stretch it even further. So if you want to go crazy, there's a dev um, platform that's currently, just came out of beta, I believe, and is available to everyone. So you can dive as deep or or as shallow as you want into it. And if you sign up for a year, you'll also get a free domain name. So that'll let you choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start from as little as just $8 a month. So you can register today. Uh, There's no credit card required. You can go straight in. You can build your website. You can see exactly what it's like before you commit. Like I said, if you sign up um, using the offer code material, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. And you also show your support for the show. So every time they see someone using that um, um, promo code, they're like, cool, you know, another material listener or someone that a material listener recommended on. So feel free to to go to all your friends and family and be like, use this code, even if you don't listen to the show, it's fine. So we want to thank Squarespace for their support um, of this show and obviously all of Relay FM, Squarespace, build it beautiful.
2: And Russell, you have some really exciting news is that Google um, Android Pay is coming to Australia, so soon you'll be able to tap and pay for that uh, smoothie.
0: So This was all over my Twitter feed this morning. The um, uh, listeners out there were sending it to me. Friends were sending it to me. They're like, look, Russell, look. I haven't quite been able to dive into this yet because obviously it's just an announcement. It's not available through my bank yet. But what's happened on the Apple side of things is Apple's like, hey, Apple Pay launched in Australia. And it turns out, only if you have an American Express and only if the American Express is issued directly by American Express, which is really uncommon here. Generally, you get your card through the bank. But what it looks like, from what I can tell, is that it's actually going to be launching here in Australia next year. So early next year, we're going to get real Android Pay where you'll be able to um, sign up for it and you'll be able to use it on all the terminals. Because for those people that don't know, and I know a lot of Europeans are the same, we have NFC literally everywhere. So I have a little um tap to pay thing on my on my card and every single restaurant cafe deli doesn't really matter that i go to petrol station it's just like anything under a hundred dollars just boop 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 and you walk you know straight out you're done and so android pay works with exactly the same system so that's going to be really exciting to me to i want to try and be one of the first people to to set that up and just bamboozle people at the checkout you know while there's 20 people waiting behind me i'm like no i must pay (laughs) with android pay stop everybody
1: you do feel a little bit like an animal when you your your fingers are touching filthy money. You know. It's like we're fi- and we're finally at the after, a year after Apple Pay like made uh, people remember made people like me remember that my Android phone can actually still do NFC contactless payments. It's like now I'm finally no longer I can finally like just buy my Big Mac without having to give the the teller like a lesson on how phone payments work on their own hardware. So hopefully we'll see this as, <laughs> yeah. as the next big leap.
0: And and I think that's that's the one case where, you know, we can get together. The, all the Android people and all the iOS community, we can high-five each other. We'll be like, thank you, iOS friends, for, you know, pushing this along. Because I have a feeling if they hadn't, you know, <laughs> pushed that hard with all the banks there in America and other places that Android Pay wouldn't be as popular today. And they've also done a lot of the explaining. So you've got all these super keen iOS users, you know, explaining that, yeah, I can pay with my phone so that when you come in there with your you know, your Nexus or your Samsung, you don't, you don't feel as bad. You know, they've already seen it. They're like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, like,
2: you know, like I've mentioned before that I was using Google Wallet to tap and pay, and I remember going to the mall and paying with Google Wallet, and the woman that was helping me at the cash register was, like, so confused and was like, uh, I need to see your card. And I'm like, well, it's there. it doesn't exist. Uh, what? He, so I had to explain to her what Google Wallet tap and pay was doing. Um, but, yes, I... I'm excited. I Obviously, when Apple gets behind something, it usually spreads a lot faster than Google does. So thank you, Apple, for Apple Pay and pushing for Android Pay, Tab and Pay.
0: Yeah, and and you're welcome for the notification drawer and other things you have in your operating system as well so it, it goes both ways now just, now just everybody just start to get get right on it to
1: steal like the next really cool thing from Apple which is nfc on the watch so that now now I now I don't even I can keep my wallet keep my phone in my pocket instead of having to take it out like an animal <laughs> that's the, that's the that's the only thing of, of all the things I, I I'm so happy to be back on wearing my Moto 360 full time the only thing and I promise you the only <laughs> thing I miss is like i i just want i just want to buy a soda or something and just i don't have to even do anything just like flash my watch and it's there i really i will i will buy i will replace this beautiful new watch that I've just paid two hundred and fifty dollars for with one as soon as that's available
2: i'm so surprised that they didn't include nfc with the android watch because we've had nfc in android for a lot longer than apple has and so when they didn't announce it but apple did i was very surprised um and i and i'm hoping that at google io this year they actually introduced nfc for the android watch um, because they already introduced the ability for android to have its own cell service so you can actually leave the house without your phone and you can go out so if you had nfc that would be like awesome. You don't have to carry your phone, and you can actually tap and pay. Like I, I would be so happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that at, at the next developer conference, that really—that's the thing I'm most keen to to see. Everything that Google is going to do to improve Android Wear because uh, they've really got the hot hand in this market right now. Uh, they, I mean, obviously the the Apple Watch is outselling it like <laughs> by, by by I'm sure by a huge factor. The 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 best estimate I've seen about Apple Watch sales has been has put it somewhere around six or seven million units uh, since launch, Uh, and but I I think that. In terms of uh, creating something that's actually useful and that's actually relevant to what people are doing, there's a lot more interesting stuff happening with Android Wear and a lot of uh, designers who are doing interesting designs because you're not just locked into that one like flattened marshmallow Apple design uh, that I've come out with. Uh, and as we were talking about uh, Google Now for Android Wear, I think we're about to see this great second generation of apps where instead of notifications that are really deep and meaningful and useful, add that to occasional apps, like maybe like an Uber app that will allow you to do a real-time live tracking uh, of the car uh, right on the wrist without having to get that request from the from the phone again. So I, I really can't wait to see what they will let developers do with the next generation of the Android Wear OS.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about that as well. You know, Every time I go to Google I... Um, I really want to see, one, what new things are coming up but also what existing things Google is going to push forward because every now and again there will be a product that they'll just let languish. They'll be like, yeah, you know, we used to work on that and then suddenly no more updates. And you're like, oh, still no updates. Oh, still no updates. So I'm hoping Android Wear, and it definitely seems like that, is going to be one of those things that's pushed hard at Google I.O. You know, here's the next version. Here's all the big stuff that's coming to it. Um, you know, more apps, more more things like NFC and just 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 a bigger push into it because... Yeah, it's at the moment it's it's something that they launched I feel like, you know, 6 months too early maybe in in typical Google fashion. It seems to definitely be picking up momentum. So I think, you know, if they can drop something in May that says, "Hey, here's the new things you can do with your watch and here's how we're improving the experience going forward." I think that could be a really positive thing for the platform because at the moment, you know, if I happen to leave my watch at home, I won't go back for it. I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's really nice to have. I love seeing the time. I love seeing notifications, but i'm not lost without it you know it's not like leaving your phone You're like oh no how will i live I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit different
1: only in the sense that to me leaving the watch at home is a little bit like leaving home without like that punch card where if i get 10 punches uh, at the sandwich shop i will eventually get a free sandwich I, I if i'm gonna walk for three and a half miles damn it i want to <laughs> get credit for it in the, in the health app <laughs>
2: uh yeah it's so this is kind of a funny story as you know that I'm a huge android wear like proponent I'm like advocate for android wear but I actually had to stop wearing mine because my aces sun watch I had the original is so ginormous that it was actually hurting my wrist because I wasn't able to bend it right <laughs> and um I know that this has been the, the I like had some pain in my wrist from like cubital tunnel syndrome so hey manufacturers if you're listening out there please create some smaller women's watch moda recently. 60, you're on track. But uh, more manufacturers that create smaller watches, it will be it'll be a lot better. And one of the things is I used to have to always have my Android Wear watch because I was using it as a smart unlock for Bluetooth. So before I had the fingerprint scanner on my phone, I was using it, I had my Android Wear watch connected so that I didn't have to unlock my phone via, you know, inserting the password. But now that I have the fingerprint I don't need to connect a Bluetooth smart unlock. I can just unlock it with my f- fingerprint. And I think that that was like a big thing for me. I was using the Android Wear watch as a smart unlock tool, and now not so much. But uh, I still love Android Wear, and uh, I just, I'm looking for a smaller watch.
1: Well, there's one thing that we're, uh, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm hoping that the, the next Google I.O., ta- they talk a lot more about uh, Android Wear then about tablets, because I'm starting to think that the tablet is, it's nice. I'm glad they're supporting it. But unless they really decide to create a huge new initiative, uh, they, they, they really have got great things going with wear and not, not terribly good things going with, uh, with tablets. Ron Amadeo, uh, writing for Ars Technica, did this really good like sort of CSI <laughs> analysis uh, trying to answer the question, the Pixel C, why is it like that? Which were, you know, the question that everybody wanted answered uh, at the announcement. And those questions were only underscored when uh, people actually got their hands on them last week because it just makes no damn sense whatsoever. And he makes the really strong case based on evidence, based on, uh, 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 updates to uh, uh, the open source code that had been released over the past couple of years. That the Pixel C was never meant to be an Android tablet. It was never meant to run the software that it was meant to run. Uh, that he, uh, he he basically, basically uh, ends the ends the article with a really good timeline. Uh, saying that uh, in June or July of 2014, uh, a piece of unnamed hardware codenamed Ryu, R-Y-U, someone is pronouncing it correctly, shouting at their car speaker as I'm mangling that name, uh, a, a new piece of hardware appeared in uh, in the Chromos repository that had uh, the same har- hardware characteristics as this Pixel C tablet, and also uh, something called Project Athena, which was a touch-enabled version of Chrome OS. Uh, and then in December of that same year, Project Athena, the touch version of Chrome OS, was canceled. Uh, and then in March, you see them trying to sort of backpedal and trying to figure out how what what they're going to do with this hardware. And they you start to see some commits for doing dual boot Chrome OS and hardware on this uh, this unnamed device in July. that dual boot project was canceled. Uh, And then suddenly we get this announcement that was, uh, by the way he describes it, that it was sort of tacked on to this huge uh, uh, Nexus event where there were 40 or 50 uh, phones in the demo area for people to try out, but just... Two of these Pixel C uh, devices, and then when it was finally released, it was just released kind of like secretly. Like if they could, if they could have, if if they, he makes it sound as though if Google had the ability to release the Pixel C direct to video. That's what they would have done, but they didn't have that option because it's hardware. But that's that's basically how undignified the release was. He does make a good case that this is something that they were sort of forced to release because they had hardware and Christmas time was coming up. Uh, so let's just see if we can bodge Android onto this and hold our noses and hope that enough of our users are going to hold their noses as well.
0: Yeah, I, I love finding out stories about this. I know this this probably wasn't leaked by Google themselves. It looks like um, you know Ron did all the investigative work behind this. But I love finding the inside stories to how some of these projects have gone because you see every now and again on eBay, you'll see these devices pop up, you know, experimental device for blah with this experimental operating system that, you know, never shipped. And the inside story about this just seems fascinating. You know, the fact that they were originally going to go with Chrome OS, that they had, um, you know, a different windowing style thing all ready to go that, you know, was going to be touchscreen friendly and was going to support the, you know, all the features, features of the Pixel C. And that at some point, and I assume this must have been, you know, a management decision to say, hey, we're going to merge um, Chrome OS and Android somehow. So we're not going to keep improving Chrome OS, you know, down this particular way. So I'm I'm sorry, team, you know, working on this, <laughs> but can you get Android to run on it instead? And you just imagine being that team and be like, ah, uh, ah, uh, and just like all the things you, you'd have to do to, you know, get get Android running on here. And then you have to ship the thing and convince people to buy it as well. You'd be like, no, it was always meant to be Android. You know, wave that Jedi mind trick hand across the screen and be like, it was always meant to run Android. Everything is logical. You know, everything works. And the fact that this device exists without, you know, some of the features that are that are reportedly coming in Android and is is strange. I don't know if um you saw, but the Pixel C team actually did a Reddit um Ask Me Anything where they were asked a lot of different questions. And you know, some of the biggest <laughs> questions were um. You why? Know, hey, where's, where's split where's split screen? Why? Yeah. Why? Why does this run Android? And everything they seemed to be saying was, you know, wait for Android N. Wait for Android N. You know, all your um questions will be resolved.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit about the um, like the. Uh, I know that there there are a few listeners who hate it when we talk about things that are not Google, but we do we talk about <laughs> these things because they lend shade to the larger universe that Google operates in. It reminds me a little bit of the iPad three where. It was, in retrospect, it was clearly not the device that Apple wanted to make. It was the device that they wanted to release then and there. But it was pointing to something big that they were do, going to be doing later in the year, and sure enough, the Saps like us, Saps like me, who bought that device in March, were nonplussed uh, in uh, September or October, where they had the actual iPad 4 with all of those features, but slimmer and lighter, and with uh, more application memory and all that sort of stuff. So it really just seemed like it, it was like a, like a, I'm not calling the Pixel C trash, but it felt felt like we got to take out the trash today because if we don't release this by the end of 2015 by the time people by the time people get a really good sense of where android n is going they're going to know that this is not going to be a really useful device so maybe it was just i don't know do, do they do you think that they often release devices almost specifically for the developer market like the first uh uh, the Chromebook Pixel kind of had that veneer about it. They, they, at the time, they told the story that the reason why they were selling this $1,300 – Uh, notebook without a deluxe, really premium, beautiful notebook without an operating system was, oh, we're we're imagining the executive who's who's, uh, using a Chromebook and wants something a little bit classier than the, like, yeah, I can't, I don't know many executives (laughs) who are really standardizing on, who wouldn't much rather have a $1,300 like MacBook or $1,300 like a a ThinkPad
0: and just simply run Google Apps on it. Yeah, I've, I've never been able to get anyone inside Google to actually confirm this in any way, but... I suspect that the original Pixel laptop was just a desire for people inside Google to have a really nice laptop to run Chrome OS on. Because you know, you've got you've got these Chrome OS laptops and I know the whole point is, you know, super cheap laptop for the education market and other things like that. And that's that's a really good thing, you know, you get computers into the hands of, of kids and that kind of thing at a cheap price. But I bet you there are a lot of engineers inside Google that are like, I just want a nice laptop. Like I want a nice high-res screen, I want a nice trackpad, I want a nice everything. And Google's like, Okay. We, we can make that. Here's a reference to That's a really
1: good point because if you work at Google and you can afford to live in San Francisco, you can probably afford <laughs> a laptop like that. They, they know yeah, they know I mean, their market. I
0: think one Google I.O., they, I think that's the, the one I missed. They actually gave them away, I believe, to developers as well, which is another indication of, hey, here's a platform we'd really like to you to develop for. Here's a really fancy laptop that you can use for, for said development.
1: It reminds me, I still have one up, uh, upstairs that... Uh, uh, I can't remember where I got it from. I don't think it's a loner because they probably would have asked for it back if it were a loner. And I, every everything <laughs> every Andy still has. Every, it. <laughs> well, I, well I do I do have uh, uh I, I do have the like the generation one where all you had to do was send an email and like in waves they would just simply send out these free uh really uh, stripped down first generation uh, laptops. I keep wondering if I should go to the, the trouble of trying to install like Windows Seven or Windows Ten on it. I bet, someone, I bet someone must have done a Windows 10 for the for the Pixel. I, I imagine with its, with its touchscreen, it would be a really really cool device to run uh, Windows 10 on.
0: Oh, it's a really solid piece of hardware. In fact, if it didn't run Chrome OS, I would have like run out and <laughs> bought one because I'm like I saw one at um, they had them for the, the check in system at Google I/O 2014, and I just asked the person behind the counter. I'm like, look, do you mind if like you know while you're processing my card, can I just have a quick look? And they're like, yeah, sure. And they turned around. I'm like, this is a really nice laptop.
2: And then they caught you trying to sneak it into your backpack.
0: <laughs> oh, it was pretty blatant. I just started disconnecting all the cords and folding. and they're like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" You said you could play with it, not take it home. I'm like, "All right, fine, I'll leave it here." I just, I have some breaking news for you. Um The bank that I'm with in Australia has just confirmed that they're going to be getting um Android Pay next year. Yeah, so it's official. Hey. It's happening. You don't have to send me the emails. All those people who compose the email will be like, "Russell, actually, you'll find that your bank does support it." And here's a t- there's this tweet. I know you don't talk like that. I offend anyone out there <laughs> so another uh, piece of exciting news is our second sponsor yeah another way to pay for yasmin's expensive hospital bills um we seriously hope you recover by next week yasmin because trying to read the intro and everything else is, is pretty hard <laughs> that'll be andy's job next week if, if you're not back.
2: you know it's it's hard work you always think that i'm slacking off but you know what it, t- it takes a lot of uh work and energy <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And we send you tweets in, you know, if you want Yasmin back in the driver's position, then you need to let us know.
2: No, don't don't ask them that because they're going to be like, no, we love Russell. Keep him there.
0: <laughs> Those, there are a whole lot less Russell lovers out there. There are there so than, many than
2: ha- hashtag Team Russell fans out there, you know, so...
0: I think that was more. To be fair, I think there was more Team Australia. I think Australians no, do see, stick together. I I, I I doubt that. It's it's
1: because yes, I mean th- this is how legends are made. It's like it would have been one thing if we if if Russell and I had done the show alone, and so we said, "Oh well, Yasmin is under the weather. She's lost her voice, and so I'm afraid she'll she'll be back next week." Then it would have been okay. People would have forgotten it. Now, instead, people are thinking she was ill. With every 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 <laughs> every, every syllable she uttered was like gargling powdered glass. But she was so committed. to to me, the listener, that she just forged on. She knew that she would disappoint people because her voice, her poor little strong-hearted, but the body, the throat was weak. Voice would give out in the middle of giving out this incredible information. That's how, like, that's how legends. They're, they're going to forget that that Russell and I are part of the show. Okay, it's 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 going to be Yasmin the Lionhearted uh, is is
0: is, is, the, is the nucleus of this sad, whole show. Sad face with single tear, Yasmin. Sad face with single tear. Anyway, our second sponsor is DroidCon San Francisco. It's the world's largest community-driven Android developer conference, and it's in San Francisco for the first time. So if you're anywhere near there, um, I'd highly recommend getting there. It's March 17th to 18th next year, so 2016. It's at the Fort Mason Center, and it's 100% Android. So, you know, you go to some of the conferences that might be you know, about, you know, five different things. This one is just about Android. It covers all aspects of the Android ecosystem, so from mobile devices, TVs, cars, you know, gaming and, and more. Uh, the call for papers is already on and you'll get a free ticket to the conference if your talk is selected. Or you can buy one now and as a material listener, you actually get 20% off. So all you need to do is when you check out, you enter the offer code material. Again, I sincerely hope you can spell that by now and you'll get uh, 20% off. So the site you want to go to is sf.droidcon.com. You can find all the details there and sign up if you're interested. I haven't been to an Android
1: conference. Like, What, what, what are they like? Have you, Russell, have you been to like uh, both uh, Android and iOS conferences? Is there like a difference in tone between the two?
0: Oh, there is a huge difference. Not not to get all uh, Android versus iOS on you, but I've been to, obviously, Apple's developer conference, so WWDC, they call it, or DubDub, and I've been to Google I.O., and I hate to say it, but the, the Google one is a lot more inclusive. So you find a lot of different people represented there. You'll find um, people a lot more welcoming as well. You know, if you happen to pull out an iPhone or you're wearing an Apple Watch, no one's really going to care. Whereas at the Apple Developer Conference, it very, it very much feels like, you know, um, <laughs> in fact, right down to the lining up for the keynote. So you go to um, the Apple one and you literally have to get up at 3 a.m. if you want any sort of seat, you know, on the 9 o'clock keynote. And, and they provide for that. You know, there's food and coffee and all that sort of thing. Um, they even give you a nice warm jacket, you know, when you first sign up. It'll be yeah. like, hey, sucker, we know you're lining up. Here's here's a jacket. Enjoy. And the thing that struck me about the Google conference is you can get there seven thirty, eight 8 o'clock and still get a seat. Like everything is it's a lot different. It's less, you know, super passionate um, fans of the, the platform and I guess developers and more just, you know, a huge spectrum of people. And I guess the other thing is IO is a lot less focused. So there's... You know, there's people there that want to know about Chrome OS. There's people there that want to know about web technologies. There's people there that want to know about server backends, and there's also Android developers. So, yeah, that, that's that's kind of the difference between the two. And the other one is, I believe, um, Google's is a lot more live stream these days. So Apple tends to get their videos out, um, you know, next day or you know a few hours after. Um, the session that you're in, but I believe I have to double check this. But I believe the Google ones are live streaming. And there,
2: um, I was listening to one of the episodes of Less Than or Equal, which was a, a new show that is on the Relay FM network. And then they had a woman, mobile app developer, on there, and she's been both to Google I/O and also WWDC. And she was sharing her story and saying that at WWDC there wasn't a whole lot of women there and that she actually, like, left the conference early to go to her her hotel room and cried because there was this, like, people following her around saying hey, we want to get a picture of you. And she's kind of like, hey, leave me alone. And they're like, no, you're like the only woman at the conference and we want to take a picture of you. And so that it was just a completely night and day experience when We're at the Google I.O. Con- um, conference, we had the women tech makers and that's actually how I met her um, and it had a lot more inclusivity. So uh, from a diversity perspective, I've heard it's you know night and day. Sure, I think that the new WWDC conferences are moving in a better direction. Um, but it's still it's still night and day when it comes to diversity, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I'm, obviously, I'm not a woman, but I back that up as well. And I know Google run a lot of programs to try and get um, a more diverse range of people in there. So they actually reserve tickets for you know we're going to have this at least this percentage of you know this type of person, at least this percentage of this. And I think I believe they also give away tickets, and they'll have you know, half price tickets and things like that. And I think that's, if you want to talk about, you know, the different ecosystems borrowing from each other, I think that's, that's something Apple needs to borrow from uh, for future WWDCs because at the moment it's this very, you know, you must get up at 2 a.m., you must order your ticket, you must go into the lottery. Everything's like, you know, you might get the golden ticket from, uh, you know, Sir Tim Cook himself. And it's, you know, it's a cool thing to have that level of passion around a platform and to see people that excited, but it's it's also good to consider the other end, you know, to be a bit more inclusive and be like, okay, if I'm, you know, if I'm a woman or if I'm, you know, something else, how are you going to get, like, more of these sort of people to your conference? Because I think at the end of the day that it makes for a better conference. Like, I've never met such a diverse group of people as I have at Google. It was fun just to hang out in the, you know, the various things outside the sessions, just meet, you know, all these different people from different walks of life.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a balance point that WWDC might have sort of tipped over. Um, the one, A lot of the problems that WWDC has, and I've been to several of them, is that now it's so popular that everybody is trying to go to this one event. And so uh, I think that people have a certain lack of, from my perspective as someone who's been there a few times, I think people have a certain lack of perspective about what WWDC is. That it really isn't. Uh, it, it, it isn't. oh My God, I'm so I'm so I'm so lucky to be here, and I'm so fortunate. And this is going to be such an exciting keynote to attend because they're going to reveal all kinds of things that no one else is going to be uh, talking about. And I'm going to be there in the room while it happens. When uh, I've I still remember the older days of WWDC where where it really was like what you describe. Uh, certainly without the diversity, unfortunately, but it was more of okay, we're all here because we are all want to learn stuff, and this is the only place where we can learn. And while we're here, we're going Interact, and we're gonna uh, make make uh, make some social events uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to get uh, when you when you've got like a, a couple hundred thousand people who want to want the something like uh, ten thousand was it eleven thousand seats that were no, available no, no. for a little less it's five thousand. 5,000? Okay. Uh, I don't know where I, where I thought of uh, 11,000, but even even worse, when you got that many people who are trying to get those seats and they're all – and so many of them are thinking of it in terms of this is where I'm going to learn how to increase my – make my skills more valuable or make my company more valuable as opposed to the you know the unwashed men and women who are wearing their favorite t-shirt and their favorite sneakers uh, who are realized they just want they're just here because they want to do their jobs better i really do think it affects things i think the future maybe is in those little 2 and 300 people conferences uh, that happen pretty much uh, every week somewhere in the country where you can have that sort of intimacy for 3 or 4 days
0: yeah and that's that's why i find um google ran uh, I don't know what they call it, some kind of Android developer conference um, this year for the first time. And I've heard really positive things from it. It was in America, so I couldn't you know, fly it all the way to go. But you know, it was a much smaller thing, much more focused. And I think that's, that's a better thing to do. And to be fair to Apple, they do occasionally bring those to other bits of the country as well. So we sometimes have tech talks in Sydney, um, sometimes in Melbourne. And I, I know they take those to Europe and things. like that. I think that's probably the future of some of these big conferences is just make it smaller yeah. and take it to different different parts of the world.
1: And they're at least taking the content from that and making it available. It used to be you'd have to wait at least a week, actually sometimes many weeks, for all the, all the uh, different uh, session topics to be posted on video. And now a lot of them are live, and by the end of the week, you can pretty much get caught up. I think they're trying to encourage people who feel as though they don't really need to be there to not have to make the trip out. And they're also trying to make sure that uh, people who weren't able to win the lottery will still get access to that and feel as though they're part of that week without having to wait, you know, 2 months for for to miss a launch date.
2: Yeah, there's always uh, like a couple of breakout sessions that are at the same time that I really want to go to and I'm like, "Oh no, which one do I go to?" And so being able to watch them on video usually helps me decide. <laughs> So one of the cool things that Google does each year is that they create this Santa tracker and it's uh, a pretty fun experience that you can even Chromecast onto your TV. And they have this Santa village. um, And this year, and I don't remember if they did this last year, I think this one's a bit more interactive. They have kind of like the... 25 days uh, leading up uh, to Christmas um, until the night that Santa Claus comes. And they have different activities. And one of them that's actually really neat is that it teaches uh, kids or people how to code. And it's uh, kind of based on the idea of like, if you click on day fifteen, I see I see you, Russell. You have this like look on your face saying, Where can I learn how to code here at Santa Village? <laughs> My
0: secret is and out. It's a, <laughs> I to learn how to code from a so
2: day so fifteen, that's called code boogie. And you can code and tell the elf to move to the left, to the right, to jump up, and so then they can dance. So no. what it what it's doing is it's actually teaching people kind of how code works, where it's like, it just doesn't Magically do what you want it to do. You have to code it and develop it and tell people or tell the computer what you want it to to do. Um, so it's really fun. There's some fun activities on there, and then it says, you know, you know, on the twenty, come back on the twenty fourth and help us track Santa all night, which is always really fun. Um, this is something that we did last year with our daughter. Is uh, we had the Santa tractor and we <laughs> tractor
0: not tractor Santa's plow <laughs> on the field. <laughs> <kids. And> we,
2: <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> and we chromecasted it and it was really fun because um it tells you kind of where santa is in different parts of the of the day and but it also gives you information about where that location is and it does all that via like google maps so it's just kind of a fun interactive um experience where kids and adults alike that you know are looking forward to the arrival of santa claus they will see where Santa is and learn while they're doing it. So um, these are just one of the fun things that Google does and um, yeah. I'm just playing with this right (laughs) now. This is
0: really cool. So you got point, left, step, right, jump, jump. I can make my own little dance moves here. Hip shake, hip shake, yep. And you can move (laughs) them up and down and it's all um, it's really nice material design which, you know, it's nice to see Google roll that out across some of their web products as well. And when I hit go here, the little off, you know, performs the moves to a dance track. I I can get behind this even if you're not into Santa. You have to go to to this bit here and just watch this elf uh, do its thing.
1: One of my favorite family photos uh as one of, one of the first pictures I took with like my first digital camera is uh all all of my nieces and nephews, three of which are now college college graduates, huddled around my Macintosh PowerBook 190c, which was the first color laptop I'd ever owned, because the tradition was that I would bring my laptop and tie up the phone line at mom and dad's house at some point. So the, all the kids could could look at the NORAD Santa Tracker, which was just ASCII text at that moment because they they'd never used the internet before. All they knew is these numbers were coming in, and it was NOR. They'd heard of NORAD. It was it's the most adorable picture ever, and just like it's cool how we can integrate new technologies into into old uh, old trends. Um, and this year, I, I I I would advise you just you know. Really, I was joking before, but you can really, you know, make this a magical event for them and tell them that you know it's a Santa tracker, and no one's better at tracking people than Google. Does doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter if Santa has an ad blocker? Santa can run his connection through VPN and three different Tor uh, routers. Don't worry, Google will still because because he didn't pull the battery from his phone. Google knows exactly where he is.
0: I'd like to think the the believe the story that Santa is just yet another uh, you know plane that needs a transponder, so he's got a. Uh, a transponder on his uh, sleigh, and you know, regulation is he has to transmit, he has to follow all the airspace <laughs> rules, and he's he's easy enough go. to track. It's it's an open system.
1: <laughs> I I would just think that this should be like a, a, a and I, I I I'm encouraging anybody who works at Google who wants to like do this. This would be such a great idea. I, I I'm hoping you can get this done by next week but if you can do it by next year how about also the santa fitness tracker <laughs> so he's 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 wearing like an android wear watch so you can see here's how many calories he's expended here's how many steps he's done just going from like the the rooftop to the to the chimney into the living room and back up again i'll i bet i bet that like every time he goes up the chimney that counts as a flight <laughs> of stairs so if his watch has a barometer it'll give him
0: credit for for stair yeah, climbing I'm not sure the falling down part counts for much it's just like free fall down but definitely the climbing back out that's that's tricky that's a lot of Stair climbs.
2: And we want to thank everyone for listening to material and putting up with my voice. And oh no, I stole the closing from Russell. I'm sorry, Russell. You can you can continue doing it. Um, but we want yeah, to. Is <laughs> this is good. This is good because you
0: should tell people about the relay memberships and how they can support Yasmin directly and hold her <laughs> expensive hospital bill. <wheel. laughs>
2: If you want to pay for my expensive hospital bills, no, it's just a, a walk to the clinic where I can get some cough medicine. Look, I've heard
0: about America. That's expensive in America. Uh, uh, you, can't, you can't tell me that's that not is, true, but let's not get that into that debate.
2: That is true. We don't have government health care here. So, you know, it's really not that cheap. Um, so if you want to support us and the rest of the host at relay.fm forward slash material for $5 a month, $10 a month, or even $100 for the whole year up front, you can support us, and that money, excluding uh, fees, goes directly to the host. And it's a it's a great way to support us, and just let us know that hey, we like what you do, we love the Android and content you're talking about, we want to keep you going. So it's just a way to say thanks, and we want to thank everyone that has already supported us. Um, And we look forward to that. We want to wish everyone happy holidays. And uh, for those, our listeners, who have just finished celebrating Hanukkah, we want to wish you happy Hanukkah. And for those that are looking forward to Christmas, we want to wish you Merry Christmas. And for those that aren't looking forward to a particular holiday, we just want to wish you a happy uh, festive Festivus. Is Is that the holiday of choice? Festivus? Uh, We just want to wish you a happy time of year in December and the winter. And we want to thank everyone for listening. Andy, where can people find you?
1: Uh, the price of admission uh, for the Anatko blog is spelling my last name. Just go to Anatko.com, I-H-N-A-T-K-O. Uh, easier still, just go to Twitter, which where I am also, at Anatko, I-H-N-A-T-K-O. Again, it was so hard to spell my last name that only one of us with that name was able to get and sign on to Twitter first uh, to get that uh, username. And that happens to be me. But, but Kudos to you, but too, because you're, you're sort of like being the tiny Tim of uh, material, you know? Tell me, spirit, will Yasmine get over her throat cold? I see a microphone with no owner next no! year. <laughs> Tell me that I might erase this writing from this stone by simply donating money and and being a being a paid member of the Relay FM community.
2: And Russell, thank you so much for uh, taking over and helping me get us through, helping us get us through the episode. Where can people find you?
0: Uh, people can find me at Rusty Shelf on Twitter. And you can tell me all about how uh, how badly I did at the uh, the opening, and uh, how Yasmin was right to steal the closing from me. Oh no,
2: <laughs> I did I did it for you, listeners. <laughs> no, I really hope my voice is back by next week. And I want to thank the listeners for putting through my voice uh, for this episode. You can find me at at Yasmeen Evian on Twitter. You can find us at at Material Podcast on Twitter. You can find us on the web and also sponsor us on the web at relay.fm forward slash material. And you can send us your questions at materialpodcast at gmail.com. And we want to thank everyone for listening. And hey, we just have one more listener question because this was our first um, sponsor for Material Podcast. And he had a question and I was tweeting throughout the show and he was like, hey, did, did my tweet go? Did my tweet answer get read? And the question is from Philip. It says, Would, could, should Google make Google Cast Receiver app for Apple TV? Would Apple allow it? Ask material, tweetings again with hashtag, <laughs> tweeting again with hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and my personal take is, I don't know if uh if Apple would even allow that um because they have their own AirPlay, right? So I don't know if that would be a competitor uh competing with them. Um I think it would be it would be nice if um
0: So from from the developer point of view because I have looked at the the SDK for it. Um in theory if they allowed it through the store, it would be possible, you know, to implement. The problem would be it wouldn't be able to launch itself. So you'd have to go to your Apple TV and you'd have to go to the the Google Cast app and launcher, and that that is still with the provisor that Apple actually allowed them to put it in the store. So I can I can understand if they're a bit hesitant because that's not the best experience in the world to go go to Apple TV, turn it on, find the <laughs> Google Cast app, turn that on. Okay, now go back to the app that you want to cast from. You know the button should appear. Press mm-hmm. the button. I mean, in theory that would work, but I, I can see how Google you know would not necessarily want to to hoist that upon users.
2: And you know what? If um, you were not able to get this on the Apple TV. For $35 a, m- a month. No, no, not a month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send me $35 a month. I'll send you a Chromecast, and after that, I'll keep it. After
2: that? Oh, gosh. I'm, like, getting stuck on that month. For $35, you can get a Chromecast. And it's pretty cheap and awesome. And you know what? Google um, has been giving a lot of discounts with the Chromecast, and they've given you like play credits, like up to $25 that I've seen before. So, really, I think I've paid for my Chromecast with all the special offers that uh, Google provides. So, if it doesn't happen, spend $35, get a Chromecast, and pick one of those wonderful colors. All right, that's it. Thanks, everyone.
0: So I've, I've got a philosophical question for you. Is there anything more uh, inclusive than a giant fat guy in uh, you know with a huge white beard climbing into your house and giving every single one of the uh, kids all around the world? I right guess out? it
2: wouldn't be if you're if you're Jewish or something and don't believe in Santa Claus. So maybe we need to do a different <laughs> intro with that one.
1: Well, we're all we're we're recording this about a week before uh, the uh, to make sure that we don't exclude anybody the secular co-opted pagan tree based holiday that is most commonly associated with Christian sex uh, sectism, <laughs> which is none, which is nonetheless uh, not necessarily uh, the spirit of the season.